Okay. Uh, let's go to Ephesians 2. Um, we are in a series called Living Heaven on Earth. Ephesians, the book of Ephesians is like one constant high. There's no like, there's no like downs in the book of Ephesians. And so, um, so it's my little idea of what the theme is of living heaven on earth. Um, because I really think that the book of Ephesians is about how spectacular life can be and how much God desires for all of us to live like we're living in the heavens, you know, while we're here on earth. And that's really the vision that God even cast so often through the book of Ephesians. And so this specific section that we're going to be going through in chapter 2, um, I, I titled In God's Family Room. I actually started off living room, but I thought, oh, that's from my generation. People don't hang out in living rooms anymore. It's the family room. So the reason why is because the theme here is about God wanting us not to feel far away from him. And it even talks about us, dwe- about us dwelling in God and God dwelling in us and about being a part of God's household in this section. And it's all about the desire for God to feel close to us. How, have you ever felt really far away from God? You know, like he felt like a stranger. He felt distant. He felt remote. It's, it is sometimes challenging because God is spirit, you know, and it's like you can't see God, and we kind of get the grandness of God if we, if we stop to think about it. It's like God, we can, you know, it, it boggles the mind sometimes of thinking about who this, that the creator of all of life, of the heavens and the earth and the stars and all of that, which I like to take in, you know, as often as I can, of really getting the magnitude of who God is. But the, the idea and the concept that God's heart and desire is for us to feel intimately close with him. That, uh, that we really experience living and dwelling where, where, you know, where we can experience his presence in a really, in a vivid way. Let's go to Ephesians 2 and verse 1. It start, it's interesting because it starts off saying, As for you, you who were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Now, this is really interesting that it starts off with this because one of the big reasons I would say you can probably relate to this, that you feel far away from God, at least I do, is when I'm aware of my shortcomings. You know, I'm aware of how much I have a sense of unworthiness in in the presence of God. It's In particular, those are the times that make me feel like I want to withdraw or retreat or that kind of thing. So it's interesting that we're going to start this section speaking about the fact that it was in that, in that we were dead. Now, it's interesting, too, it always talks about the fact that we're dead, dead in sin. And there's a couple of ways that that works. For one, everything that sin is causes death in some way in our lives. It brings death to us. There's nothing life-giving, you know, if you think about things that are sin. As well as the fact that it talks about that the wages of sin are death in which we used to live when we followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. 
the, the ways of this world and the, who's the ruler of the kingdom of the air? I mean, it doesn't sound like God's, we're talking about God here, right? Because that would be a good thing. We're following the ruler of the, of the kingdom of the air, but it's not. This is specifically speaking about the devil, about Satan. So what do you think in terms of how it's talking about Satan? That Satan is the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Get a picture. For one, think about that as far as that Satan is the god of this world, that he has dominion right now over the earth, that Adam transferred dominion to Satan. And that's why what we see is we see an earth that looks amazing and perfect in some ways. You look at trees, you look at nature, and everything looks amazing, and you're just like, wow, I can see God in that. And then you look at, the, at these heinous, horrible things, and you're just going, how does that make sense? And, that, and the Bible speaks about the fact that God created everything in this amazing, perfect condition and gave it to Adam, and Adam turned it over to Satan. And that Satan is now the ruler of this world. And it also says right here, if you get a picture of that, the spirit, uh, oh, I'm sorry, the, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, there's a kingdom in the air. What would that be? In this specific instance, is that when Satan fell, he took one-third of the angels of heaven with him, and they make up the world of demons. So this is the dark spiritual forces that it's talking about that are a part of this world. This is not a good kingdom, obviously. I mean, you can tell from the context of it because it says that once we followed the ways of this world, which are not good, and so you think about the ways of the world because of this, if we look at what that means and what that represents, is that the world is currently structured... So that in the ways that the world teaches of taking us away from God, of being, you know, it says that that Satan comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And so there's a lot of hurt and destruction if, if, like, and was when we followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air who's running the show. The spirit that is now at work in those who are disobedient, the spirit, Satan. And then it says, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. So this is really interesting, too, because it's like, I I kind of like the context of this, that it says everybody has lived this way. Everybody has lived in a way, according to the ways of this world, it says, and gratifying, think about this, because guess what the ways of the world are? Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. A big thing of immediate, immediate gratification is always going to lead to death and destruction. It's not like a good positive thing. It's one of the big hooks as far as Satan in trying to imprison people and, ensla- and enslave and ensnare people is getting people to live for that, just gratifying the cravings of your flesh and following its desires. I think the thing that you also see in this is that when we're doing that, we're not in charge, we're following, we're not leading. Sometimes we think that when we're gratifying, you know, like when we're doing the instant gratification, we're in charge. We're, it's the opposite of that. It's absolutely like we're just getting led around. So it says, we were all in this boat. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But, now there, it's interesting because the, the whole reason God's actually laying this out is saying, in this condition, it says, But in verse 4, it says, but because of his great love, great love, doesn't even just say love, but because of his great love for us, God, who is, look at the, 
Look at the adjectives here. Who is rich in mercy. Not just merciful, but rich in mercy. Made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. And it is by grace you have been saved. Again, we're being reminded that all of this, that this is not. God moved when we were dead in trespasses and sin. There's no place that God says, you clean up your act first, and then I'll, then I'll be there for you. You do the work and, you know, step in line. You better go to church and you better do, you read the Bible and do all those things and then I'll come close to you. That's not at all how it works. It says that because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us, he made us alive with Christ. He brought us to life. We were dead in trespasses and sins, but it is through Jesus Christ that he made us alive. Even when we're dead in transgressions, it is grace. Grace is what we did not deserve it. It's, it's God's divine favor that we did not deserve. It says, by, it is by grace we have been saved. You have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, what in the heck is that talking about? God raised Jesus from the dead and we got raised with him? And we're seated in the heavenly places? It's right what? We're seated in the heavenlies. God says right now we are seated in the heavenlies. You know what this is? And raised us up with Christ from the dead. What it's talking about is when Christ died, when Christ died, it says that all of our sins, all of our shortcomings died with him. And what he resurrected, we resurrected with him by association. You know what? I, I don't know anything about sports. I, I know nothing. But I heard... It's like, it's like if you're on the team that wins the Super Bowl, you get the ring whether you play or not. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like you, you get a Super Bowl ring, and you, you didn't do anything. You didn't play the game. That's pretty much what happened with Jesus Christ. We were on the team. We didn't do anything. But we're on the team. So that's why we wound up getting raised with him. That's why we're currently seated in the heavenlies, because he paid the price and he did all the work. And we get all the glory with him. You know, we get the party and the champagne and the whole thing, even though we didn't play. (laughs) Even the water boy, he gets the Super Bowl ring? Really? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You could even be the water boy. And you're going to be seated in the heavenlies. You could be a spiritual water boy. (laughs) And you're seated in heaven. Who knew? Seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You know, why would God even say that? Why do you think God would say that we're seated in the heavens right now? Because he wants to get, get us to get that that's where we belong. That's home. That's home for us, guys. And it's going to talk about this even more. Plus... It's to get us thinking in a spiritual perspective because how often in life do we feel like we're a part of this world? Sometimes we got to get we're not a part of this world. We're just visitors. We're just passing through. There's an old hymn. It's so, have you guys ever heard that song? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't, what's the rest of it? I can't, huh? Something I can't, 
something anymore. I don't know. Gosh, I forgot the rest of it. I used to sing that all the time. Used to sing old hymns a lot. So anyway, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Um, to, to get that that's where we belong, and also to be thinking about our life in the context of all eternity, not just this blip here and now. To not bo- be bogged down by the things of this world and the cares of this world. It says, in heavenly realms, in Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So we, we don't see the whole picture yet. God has yet to show us. This is God's vision of what he is going to do in, in the coming ages when Christ comes back and gathers everyone together. It says that in the coming ages he could show his the incomparable riches of his grace. That's God's desire expressed in his kindness to us by Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and that it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. God really, and again, we saw this all through Romans, but God wants us to get it. That there's nothing that we did to earn this at all. God really wants us to get that it's a free gift. And then look at this, it says um, in verse 10, for we are God's workmanship. That's the Greek word poema, which is a work of art. It says we are God's work of art. (laughs) It says created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, all of us are designed to be God's masterpiece. It's got, think about, what do you think God's work of art would be? You know, you are God's work of art. Talk about a great artist. God's done some amazing artwork. I mean, we have great artists, but take a look at sunsets. Take a look, I mean, there's so many things that you look at and you go, I look at things and I go, wow, you are such an artist, God. Like the creativity... The diversity of what you see in creation is just astounding. That's why so many artists here, you know, try and recreate the, what it looks like, but it still can't compare to the original. But we, you and I, are God's masterpiece. We are God's work of art. And here's what's interesting. If you take a look at this, it says, we're created in Christ Jesus for what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are specially built and made for a purpose. Every single one of us is made to make a difference. You know, I, it's, we're not really going to get the fullness in life until we get what we, what, what we, how we've been designed to give and to make a difference. It really is like we are going to feel empty lives without coming to the place that we get, that the work of art that we are built to do is to do good works. And every person has a unique way of doing that. Everybody's got different gifts and and abilities. Some people are more analytical. Some people are more artistic. Some people are more serious. Some people are sillier. Some people, you know, it's just like people like to do different things. Some people are like, you know, high energy. Some people are laid back. You know, just like... Everybody's got, like, different gifts, different experiences, different things that make you one-of-a-kind unique, but you are God's work of art 
created specifically, there's things that you're created to do to make a difference. And it's wanting to ha- having a desire to fulfill that calling, but it's about giving that we really feel are, that we really feel fulfilled a- in our calling. And we and everybody's got the ability to change lives in whatever way that you're called to serve. It's it's like I, I know this is kind of this is a bad example, but I I, I just like it's the I was reading some article about um, there's certain kind of dogs that if you know like that they have a job to do like it's either retrievers or something like that they're called to do a job that they're made to do that and if they're not they're miserable. You know, like, it's kind of like that. Like, I think it was a retriever or something. Like, if they're not retrieving, that, they're real, that the dogs are miserable. They feel like they'll get depressed. They get, like, do you know what I'm saying? Because they're, they're built that they have, to fuf- they have to give. They have to contribute. They have this calling to retrieve. T- to what? That's a great <laughs> oh, good. Okay, I thought it was weird, so thanks for that. <laughs> I was like, oh, gosh, I'm comparing you to dogs. Sorry. <laughs> oh, well, thanks for the affirmation. On that. But, it, but it hit me that that's what we are, too. That there's a sense of emptiness until we have really hit the, our stride as far as how God's designed us in the work of art that we are to make a difference. Um, I think, too, I was thinking about this. I think it, you know, it's funny because I feel like it's, we all have callings and I also, I relate to it too as my individual calling and also like searchlight, you know, in, you think about every church is a part, we're going to talk about this too as we grow because it also talks about the fact that everybody, no matter what church you're in, are a part of the body of Christ and have something to give in that way as well in, in uniqueness. We have a uniqueness in this body, in this grouping, you know, of how we serve God and how we make a difference. And um, as far as our calling, you know, and every church does. Every, every church has got something that God's called and designed those people to come together to make a difference. And in the whole way that how much our gifts really come into play that we can experience them when we come together. Because that's when each unique person's individual gifts, because one person can't do it by themselves, it's like, you, you're not going to change the world one person. You know, like, you, you're, you know, like, that, like, whatever your particular calling is. It takes the body of Christ all working together in bodies and communities and groups of people, too, sowing their, their gifts together to make a difference. So, anyway, you're God's masterpiece, God's work of art. Uh, in verse 11, it says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and, are, and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that is the body, by the hands of men. Remember that uh, at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Now, it's interesting because it's specifically, and we're going to continue with this, is <clears throat> it's hard for us to understand, but there was a big chasm as far as G- Jews and Gentiles. And so, and it, the vision of one of the purposes of God bring, giving us Jesus Christ too was to bring all people together, that there wouldn't be separations between us and God, and there wouldn't be separations between one another as well. 
uh, that Jesus Christ would accomplish both of those. One of the ways that Jesus made it so that we can be closer to God is because the big thing that kept us separated from God was sin. That's the part that makes us go, oh, I can't, come on. You can all relate to that, you know, I'm sure. Like, you feel guilty about something. How much do you want to pray? I fall short. We have a tendency to hide. Adam and Eve did it with the fig leaves, you know. It's just sort of like, you know, when there's something in, in, that we're not feeling good about, the tendency is to move away from God. It separates us in so many ways. But it's by the life of Jesus Christ and the understanding that he, his life paid for that that's, what's, that's what gets rid of the separation. That's how we can stand before God without a sense of shame. Because Jesus Christ paid for that. So, you can see, again, God's desire was not to be separated. or We were once far away, but we've been brought near how? Through the blood of Christ. That's what brought us close. In verse 14 it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, that's Jews and Gentiles, and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by, with, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. It's in that new birth in the Holy Spirit and what Jesus Christ came. We have access to God. Back in, in um, the Old Testament that where the temple was the dwelling place of God and what separated the Holy of Holies is where, the, where God it represented the dwelling place of God that there was a veil that separated people from the Holy of Holies because of sin. It says when Christ rose from the dead that that veil was rent and we have access to the inner place, the inner dwelling place of God that we have access to God. Um, it says in verse 19, consequently, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, which we were from God, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. I told you our citizenship is in heaven. We're aliens here now. You know, it's just like we are, we are just visitors, aliens in this world, don't belong. So if you ever felt like you didn't belong, that's why. But we don't want to, if, if you're feeling like you belong, it might be not such a good thing. Hey, I feel right at home here. Um, <laughs> the, um, it says, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of what? God's household. That's what, it's like, what do you think about? Like, what's, what is it to be in somebody, you know, like where it's your home? Think about how you act when you visit versus at home. What's the difference? What are some of the differences? We're at home with God. Comfort. feels comfortable. I belong here. Take off your shoes. You got refrigerator privileges, right? Really, like what else? What are some of the other differences between being at home and visiting someplace? You know your way around. You don't have to ask permission. 
maybe. You can be yourself. You know. You can relax. You can relax. There's a lack of the what? You don't walk around in your skivvies. <laughs> you don't have to knock. You know, there's a lot of, you just think about it, but isn't it cool? Like, God wanted us to get that that's where we are. He wants that, us to relate that way, that we are in the household of God. This is home now. That we want to relate in a way that we feel like we're at home. With, with one another and with God. It says we're all in this together. It says built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So also the whole, the concept of this is that the one body of Christ is the dwelling place of God. That we as the body of Christ, all believers, and like I say, with all the different gifts and all the different works of art that we are and, and gifts, that the body of Christ, not, you know, like all the churches all over the world and, and um, are a part of, of this temple, that now we are the dwelling place of God. It's not a building anymore. That God dwells in us. You know, this is the home of where God lives. You know, that we can be at home in God. It's, I just, you know, I think the, that it's, it's just like, we talked last, you know, last week too about the whole idea of being desired, of being wanted. You know, and I think of how much that this plays into this as well, as far as that God wants, like, I don't, like that God's choice is us. You know, but then it goes on to say about the intimacy of what God wants as far as the relationship with us goes. That he wants to be that close, that he wants us to be that connected, that he wants us, we're family. You know, we are family, that God is our father, that we are his children, that we have refrigerator privileges, that we hang out in the family room. You know, it's just sort of like, it's, just, it's the place where families hang out. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like where people sit and talk and eat and the coffee table and on the sofa and put your feet up. And, you know, it's like, it's that sense, you know, where you can be yourself and have access. God wants us to know that. God desires us to have that relationship with him. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I feel incredibly grateful for your goodness, and it's so funny when I read your word how much you repeat yourself on, on these things, like all through the book of Romans that you talk about it being by grace, and how through your son that we do have access to you. I really get how much I need to be reminded over and over again of that, but I feel, I feel grateful that that's your desire for us, that you desire to have a relationship with us and to be close and for us to experience your presence. I pray that we all just grow more and more to know you and to just be seeking that out, to be seeking that out in prayer, to let you in more, that we can be aware of your voice, that we can be aware of your love, that we can be aware of how much you fight for us, and that we can get the sense that this world is just temporary, that you have called us to 
live with you in the heavens and that we can have that spiritual perspective. I thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.